Hello, everybody, and welcome to A Bark, A Brig, and A Schooner Walk Into A Bar. Uh, right now, we're going to jump into our final mini-sode of this break before we get into Season 2. And this episode's going to be a little different than my recent ones, because in terms of historical accuracy, this story is really shaky. I just want to make that clear off the bat, but I love it, so we're going to go with it. I normally try to stay away from historical things that I can't fully support with a ton of evidence, but this one's just too good to pass up. So one of the best parts of this podcast is that I don't have to step into my formal academics persona and explain to you that today we'll be conducting an historical analysis of the prevalence of Ursidae on traditional maritime vessels. Instead, I get to say, grab a drink, put up your feet, and listen to an awesome, bizarre story about bears on tall ships. For those of you who don't know what bears are, what is going on in your life that you don't know what a bear is? They're the most adorable things that can eat you. On a side note, Google bear without fur if you never want to sleep again. It's terrifying. So let's go back in time to the War of 1812, and more specifically the Battle of Lake Erie, which took place in 18... you guessed it, 1813. The Battle of Lake Erie is pretty well known to the tall ships community, in part because of the Brig Niagara, Schooner Porcupine, and also the Oliver Hazard Perry, named for the hero of the Battle of Lake Erie. But we're digging deep into the lore of the Battle of Lake Erie here. The story starts with British naval officer Robert Barclay. He was actually a really fascinating figure. He joined the British Navy at the ripe age of 11. By 19, he was serving on Horatio Nelson's flagship Victory. Later that year, he became a lieutenant on the Swiftsure and participated in the famed Battle of Trafalgar. At 23, he lost his arm in a naval battle with the French, but continued to serve despite the injury. Now, during the Battle of Lake Erie, his other arm was severely injured, and at least a considerable portion of his thigh was removed as well. Some say his other arm and the leg were amputated as well, but I haven't found any concrete sources confirming that. There is some record of him testifying later about the Battle of Lake Erie um, in British courts when he was court-martialed. Nothing says that he walked in on one leg with no arm, so I'm going to dismiss that. But anyway, uh, also towards the end of his career, he married his cousin. If you listen to my Caroline Mayhew mini-sode, you might be noticing a trend in 19th century marriages. But again, no judgment. Let's move on. So a lot of accounts say that Barclay had a pet bear named Rough Bruin on Great Britain's Lake Erie Squad's flagship, the HMS Detroit. First, let's give credit where credit is due. We've seen dogs, cats, parrots, chickens, and goats on sailing vessels. Not a big deal. It's been done before. It's been done for centuries. But a bear? Bravo. The gall that it takes to approach your crew and say, Watch your step on deck. There's a caged bear there now is incredible. It also kind of flies in the face of the idea of having really clear deck space um, and not many things that lines can get fouled on. Uh, clearly, this bear was more important than his crew's safety. Now, most stories agree that it was a pet, although one story says the plan was to feast on the bear after defeating the Americans, but I'm not sure I really buy that. Have you ever seen a bear's ears? There's no way someone would eat something that cute. Uh, but I digress. Okay, so multiple accounts say that Barkley had a single bear on board, but we will get to a conflicting story later, because this is where the story gets crazy. 
It's said that during the Battle of Lake Erie, an opposing cannon shot blew open Rough Bruin's cage and he escaped. Without getting too into the details of the battle, because let's be honest, do you want to hear about early American naval tactics or bears rampaging on decks? Uh, the British initially had the upper hand in the battle, but the Oliver Hazard Perry-led American fleet rallied, overwhelmed the British, and won a decisive victory. But the HMS Detroit was in really rough shape. Her rigging had become entangled with the HMS Queen Charlotte, and they were sitting ducks for the American guns. But while they were immobilized together, Rough Bruin had the run of the deck on the Detroit. Now, much of the Detroit's crew had been killed, so they had the ship's redcoat marines on deck trying to help. Imagine being a soldier, trained to fight humans, yet you're on the deck of a ship clumsily trying to figure out what all of the lines do while you're getting shot at and there's an angry bear wreaking havoc around you. Some say you can still hear the voices of those doomed sailors on the wind. The scuppers are choked with human hair and brains and the deck soaked in blood. Bits of cloth in men's hands and splinted bones hang on the jagged ends of the planking. And rough Bruin, the commander's pet bear, is broken out of his pen. And he's ranging around the deck. Oh, God, he's lapping blood. He's eating human flesh. Give me a musket quick or I'll go mad. Okay, so maybe by some people say, I mean, I say, and maybe you still can't hear them. But that was an eyewitness account of what happened on the deck of the ship. Now, the conflicting story says that Barkley had two bears and also employed two or three indigenous snipers to hide in the rigging and pick off American officers. Accounts say that the snipers were so scared that after the first cannon volley, they ran below decks and hid for the rest of the fighting. It's also said that the bears were scared too, and they hid below with the snipers. Now, I really don't put much stock into these accounts, as they're all generally pretty racist towards the indigenous snipers, and let's be honest... The bears and snipers all snuggled up below because they're afraid of fighting while the white men battle it out. It just doesn't add up to me. So what happened to Rough Bruin is lost to history. My theory is that his actions on the deck of the Detroit were recognized as benefiting the American cause, so he was released with an oath to never take up arms against Americans again. I like to think he lived out his days fishing for steelhead on Lake Erie. Now, before we finish this story, let's fast forward to 2013 and a reenactment of the Battle of Lake Erie. The Norwegian ship Sorlandet was playing the role of the HMS Detroit in the reenactment, and they truly committed to it. During the battle, a crew member decked out in baggy wrinkles rampaged on the deck, just as our dear rough Bruin did two centuries before. I really want to fully commend Sorlandet for their commitment to their historic role in the battle. So that's it for this mini-sode, and our mini-sodes in general. Season 2 starts on Friday the 19th, with Aaron interviewing Captain Jamie Trost. We've got some great episodes lined up this season, with many tall ships mariners that you know and love, some fantastic maritime historians, and topics like tall ships and movies, historic and contemporary looks at BIPOC, LGBT, and female mariners, and yes, even sea shanties. Aaron and I want to thank you for listening to season one and these mini-sodes during the break. The enthusiasm for this podcast has absolutely exceeded our expectations, and the entire Tall Ships America team really appreciates your support. We love sharing these stories and interviews with you, and we are so humbled by your appreciation of them and the feedback that we've received. We do have sponsorship opportunities still available for season two. If you're looking to spread the word about your business to an audience of tall ship and maritime history enthusiasts, 
please let us know. My email is nicholas, N-I-C-O-L-A-S, at tallshipsamerica.org, and Aaron is Aaron at tallshipsamerica.org. We look forward to entertaining you in Season 2 starting next week. A Bark, a Brig, and a Schooner Walk into a Bar is a Tall Ships America podcast. For more information about tall ships and the people that sail them, please visit us at tallshipsamerica.org.